A warning, this episode contains some explicit language. So yeah, it would have been easier had she not called me a bitch more than she actually called me Mrs. Carlson. But it wouldn't have been as good of a story. Welcome to the latest episode of What My Students Taught Me, the podcast that dives deep into the teacher-student relationship. I'm Mike Elson Rooney. Eight years ago, Jessica Carlson was a young teacher in her first year teaching English at an alternative program in Colorado Springs. The program was for students at risk of dropping out of school because of behavior or academics. They took separate classes. They even had a separate building. Jessica had a few years of teaching under her belt, but nothing that would prepare her for the trials of that year. I was dealing with students that had experienced trauma in their lives, and we, and a lot of times, didn't even know what they went home to. Even in that challenging group, one student stood out. Kim Hardy had just arrived in Colorado that year, and she did not want to be in the alternative program. And she let Jessica know almost every day. I had never had a student that was so openly defiant. It was like every other day, there was something else, like just pushing buttons, pushing buttons. On a typical day with Kim, that defiance started right at the beginning of class. Well, there was always the, you know, the introduction to the lesson, and this is what we're doing today, and here's what you need, and let's all start to get busy. And then it was Kim usually sitting on the side. She always sat like on the right-hand side of the classroom. She would always be doing her own thing. You know, that was just the way that she, that she was. Jessica tried to reach out to Kim and stay positive even when Kim refused to do the work. Like it was my job to have them all be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so it was always me coming over, hey, Kim, you know, what you doing? She was just straight out. Like she was not afraid. I'm not going to do that. Then I had to reassess. Well, okay. For Kim, Jessica's friendly overtures and sunny demeanor were part of the problem. She looked too happy to be teaching. In my experience, teachers have been less happy to be teaching, and she was very excited. It was off-putting, because I wasn't really sure what her problem was. It seemed like she had an issue. Where I'm from, people who look too nice usually aren't that nice. Kim didn't hesitate to let Jessica know how she felt about things. But then it was always when I was walking away, under her breath, bitch. <laughs> you know, and I just, I had to not react to that. Kim remembers that too, though she said bitch wasn't the only word she used. Usually I would call her a bitch. On occasion I called her a cunt. If there was a name, I'd, I called her by it. Kim felt a kind of duty to break her teacher in. She had never experienced students talking back and not following her direction in such a large group. Maybe you get one or two like that in a regular classroom. But when you have 27 students who are like, mm, I don't really care, not interested, it's a, it's a quality life lesson. Kim was a natural leader, and she loved getting the whole class involved in her resistance. I was definitely loud, and if I got rowdy, everybody else got rowdy. And if I was quiet, it stayed quiet. Because they needed someone to pull the trigger, 
on being rowdy. They needed someone who was going to start it because I don't care. So I did what I wanted to do, and if I felt like being obnoxious, then we were all going to be obnoxious that day. In retrospect, Jessica understands why Kim commanded so much attention. Students looked to Kim because she was not afraid. She was not afraid of students. She was not afraid of adults. And so, in a sense, she was a leader. You know, it was entertaining. She was very entertaining. And she was articulate, and so and she was smart. And so to watch that kind of person take control of an adult, I'm sure was like, wow, look, there's a show. And it was a small class. So if Kim was having a problem, like, everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. And if Kim, you know, wanted everyone to know something, she would certainly have a stage to tell them. Kim wasn't just a ringleader. She was also a band leader. We would start singing songs, and one thing led to another, and now you have 27 teenagers yelling and screaming and going on and on. We would sing in full song. We did not care. It was like a choir room in the middle of English class. A personal favorite of ours was Back That Ass Up by Juvenile. We really enjoyed singing that song in class. The class rebellions got more elaborate over the year. They even hatched a plan to superglue Jessica's dry erase markers to the whiteboard. Jessica began to dread coming into class, but she always kept her composure. That pit in your stomach where you just like have no idea what to do, but it's that like fake it till you make it, like you got to put a smile on and, and I'm a smiling kind of teacher. The tides in the classroom only began to shift slightly when Jessica realized she could reach Kim in another way. Kim was already a leader in misbehavior, so Jessica figured she'd make her a leader in coming up with her own assignments, too. And so what I started to do is I actually just decided to change some of our content to fit her and to fit her interests. So we had some talks about what do you enjoy, what do you like, um, what, how would this assignment be better tailored for you? Kim actually appreciated that. And once we talked about it, and she gave me the other assignments, they were a lot more enjoyable because it was something I had to think about doing. It wasn't just something I could do offhand. I had to put some thought into it, which I really appreciated. By the end of the year, Kim and Jessica were not close, but the tensions between them had cooled somewhat. My opinion had changed only slightly. I still thought she was very bright-eyed. She was definitely hard to break. But I did like her more than at the beginning of the year, for sure. We had kind of a mutual understanding that if she left me alone, I left her alone and vice versa. And it was pleasant. Neither one thought the relationship would continue after that year. Jessica especially. Yeah, I had no idea that I would ever talk to her, see her again. And for at least a few years, they were completely out of touch. Kim soon moved to another high school and dropped out not long after to move to Hawaii with her mom. Jessica continued teaching at the same high school, but the alternative program was shut down after that year. But four years after they parted, Kim had a sudden urge to reach out to Jessica. 
She was in Hawaii working at a mall in Pearl Harbor, and she decided she wanted to right some of her wrongs. I grew up. I wasn't a little kid anymore. I grew up. I felt bad about my actions in her class and the way that I had treated her, and I wanted to apologize to her for it. Jessica was completely caught off guard. I saw the friend request come up, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, seriously, like, what does she want to do with me? Like, she hates my guts. And she sent me an inbox message and apologized for, for being a brat. I remember she used the word brat. Like, I'm, I'm sorry for being a brat in your class. I shouldn't have been that way. And I was like, it was unbelievable. I was like, what? Once she got over her shock, Jessica appreciated the gesture and gladly accepted the apology. The two actually began Facebook messaging. Kim would send Jessica pieces of writing to look over, and Jessica would send back some of her own. They began to open up with each other. And though Jessica already knew a little bit, she learned more about what Kim had been dealing with that year as a ninth grader. We had just moved to Colorado. My mom had married her fourth husband a few months prior. Um, I didn't know him. I had gotten a stepbrother. We had to adjust to living together, which was a huge change. I didn't know anybody in Colorado, and it was all very frustrating. The previous year, my mom had had a surgery, and she got MRSA. It's a staph infection that is resistant to most antibiotics. It's very dangerous. She had a wound vac on, pick line. She was very sick. I worried a lot about how she was doing during the day. And then I would have to go home and help take care of her. And I just had a lot going on that didn't make me very interested in what was happening at school. Considering everything Kim was dealing with at home, Jessica had new insight into why Kim had bristled at her sunny demeanor. It was such a stark and probably unnatural-seeming contrast to the emotional upheaval that Kim was dealing with in the rest of her life. Of course, I had compassion for that experience that, like, no, no child really should have to be a caregiver for their parent. Like, that, the roles are reversed there. Like, that's, that's not a stress that, you know, a teenager should really be having to bear. But as their long-distance relationship grew, Kim also learned something surprising about Jessica. That sunny exterior that Kim so resented was actually masking some far more painful feelings underneath. You know, around the end of that year into, like, the next year, I just felt really, really low and really, really dark. Like, it was almost like I was just sucked into this pit inside myself and I was just there by myself and I didn't feel like there was any way to get out of it and like I think that's what depression feels like. Between when she taught Kim and when they reconnected, Jessica had been diagnosed with clinical depression and hearing that helped Kim see her teacher in a whole new light. Yeah, I actually, I was surprised. She's very good at hiding it. She always seemed very happy to me, very bubbly. She didn't seem like someone who was depressed. The news resonated even more deeply than Jessica could have imagined, because it turns out that Kim also suffered from clinical depression. 
but like Jessica, she'd only told a close circle of family members. So talking to each other was cathartic. It was definitely a factor in us being closer. Both having depression, it was almost a bonding moment. A a sad bonding moment, but a bonding moment. The news from her former teacher helped give Kim a deeper understanding of the disease. I realized that just because someone isn't sad all the time doesn't mean that they don't have depression. Which, in hindsight, being 2020, most people don't know that I have depression because I'm very outgoing and outspoken and just kind of try to be fun all the time. In the years that followed, Kim and Jessica counseled each other through career changes, family troubles, and bouts of depression through late-night Facebook messages. We'll talk pretty late into the night before we both are finally like, hey, we gotta end this. We're done. We both have things to do. It is a Tuesday night. The characteristics in the other that had driven them crazy years earlier were now sources of admiration and respect. She was just Kim. She was just always, she she was never afraid to be herself. And I think that that was something that I respected in her, but I also was jealous because as a student, I was always afraid to be myself. And I didn't really learn that lesson, the value of being yourself fully and completely and not changing yourself for another person probably until college. Kim was that way from the start. Kim says Jessica's support has helped her learn to keep a better lid on her temper. I used to have a very short fuse. And now I rarely raise my voice. I don't really have a temper. And I'm extremely laid back. And I think a lot of that has to do with being her friend and having had her as a teacher. And for her part, Jessica's belated connection to Kim helped her see that sharing her darker side as well as her positive outlook might help her connect more easily with other struggling students, especially those who are suffering from mental illness. As a result of her new transparency, Over the past four years, eight students have come to confide in Jessica about their own mental illness. I don't know if that means that there's an increase of it or that students are more willing to talk about it or that somehow I've become a place that's safe for them. I would hope that that would be always the case, that students feel safe, that if I'm the adult, they they need to tell that, that I can be there for them. Jessica's a better teacher, she says, because of her ongoing friendship with Kim. It's much better if we can offer more of ourselves. Um, And so, you know, I think that experience with Kim and those students in the classroom made me not afraid to be myself. And while there's some of those tough things that we may not want to share, the ones that we can share and relate to others make us stronger when we're able to share them. Several years ago, Jessica moved with her family to a farm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where she now serves as the instructional coach for the school district. Kim, with Jessica's help, left her job as a waitress and began school in surgical technology. She now lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The two still stay in close touch. This podcast was created by The Teacher Project 
in Education Reporting Fellowship at Columbia University. It was produced by Mallory Falk. Thanks to Sarah Carr and to Matt Thompson and Aaliyah Wong at The Atlantic for their editorial support. A big thanks to WBOI in Fort Wayne for sharing their studio space. And a special thanks to Kim Hardy and Jessica Carlson for sharing their stories.